Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language. It is intended for immature adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. first yesterday at work and after being a nurse for 11 years there's a few and far between but since I've worked at the prison I've had a few. (laughs) What is it? Well I work down in a high security area of the prison and we have our own segregation unit down there. Anytime someone is you know found with a weapon, found with drugs, facing some kind of investigation anytime they do some shit they end up in the seg unit and is that where snitches go to? Sometimes. Yeah. We actually had one of those yesterday, too. I he hear, snitched on a lot of shit. I hear tell they get stitches. That's why he's in a cell by himself in SAG. Because he didn't want to get stitches. He said um, he didn't want to get poked. That was the term he used. Are you but allowed to talk about all those? I'm not using any names. Okay. And I don't even declare where I work at. I work at a prison in Indiana. That's all he need to know. Okay. <laughs> But, um, so I had to go into the SAG unit for a guy that was already there. They found him out on the rec pad. And in the rec pad, because they have to let him out a certain amount of hours during the week for rec. But they all have their individual, like, outdoor cages they have to be in, separated. Mm -hmm. Because it's a segregation unit. And they found him out there naked. Oh. And he decided, when they told him to put his clothes back on, that he was going to Focus thumbs in his eyes. How'd that go? He got sprayed. Oh. <laughs> sprayed with some OC, which is high octane pepper spray. Not fun. It's yeah, not fun. Not, not fun. Yeah. So anytime. It's that bad Binaka. Yeah. Binaka? Binaka? Binaka. You talking about the mouth spray? Yeah. Binaka. Binaka. Good for you. Binaka XXL. Yeah, something like that. Except it's in a really big can, about that big, and they wear it on their thighs. Comes in mint, pepper, and oh my god. No, just oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. And uh, so they're they like... Do they the foam? Foam? There's some that's foam. No. That they sticks. have spray. They have the pepper balls where they actually shoot them out of the paint gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I think they go up to like the non-lethal rubber bullets and shit. Oh, okay. Which... About a month ago, they ended up spraying somebody with a gun. It's like the first time in 10 years they've had to use that because you have to go through so many processes of spraying them, waiting so long, spraying them, waiting so long. uh, Escalation of force. Exactly. Yeah. And we're trained that too when we start out too. We have to know what would be too much force and what wouldn't because if something were to happen to us, we have to know how to protect ourselves without overdoing it. Yeah. Because I'd be likely to gouge some fucking eyes out or something. You never know. Crazy like that. You're a crazy bitch. (laughs) I flex my cunt every once in a while. She flexes her cunt. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, he got sprayed. And so anytime someone gets sprayed or hit with the pepper balls, we have to go and do what's called a body sheet. We have to go see if they have any injuries, you know, assess their vital signs if they'll let us, see if they're having suicidal ideations or homicidal ideations and... (laughs) 
We have to fill out the sheet for custody. You just run up and shake him on their shoulder. You good? <laughs> they had already decontaminated him and put him back in a cell. So I went up to his cell door. It's a lot easier when they put him in the shower because it's just a wire cage front and I can hear him better. When they're in their cell, it's this big fucking metal door. And I can barely hear what they're saying. So I have to put my ear up to the crack where the hinge is and stuff. Mm-hmm. And ask them all the questions. I have to tick all the boxes, ask them if they've got any injuries, anything like that. And I feel this hot breath blow into my ear. And I went, no, don't do that. And then he started blowing me kisses, telling me that he loved me and he was sorry and to help him. And he loved me and he loved me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Then he started fucking jerking it. Ew. Right in front of me. <laughs> right behind the door. And I went, stop it. And he just looked at me. I love you. I love you. I'm sorry. I love you. And I was like, I need an officer up here, please. So, big fucking dude, officer that works down there with us, came up. I said, uh, he's jerking it. I don't want to finish doing this body sheet with him jerking it on the other side of the door, so I need you to go up with me. Okay. We walk up to the door, does the same shit again with the officer right fucking there. <laughs> this dude was not right in his wow. head. <laughs> Just, I love you, I love you, uh, I love you. It's like, okay, we're done with that. That's that's not fun at all for me, anyway. <laughs> and uh, not more than maybe 15 minutes later, they were passing chow, and the female guard that happens to work that pod dropped his cuff port and he reached through and grabbed the lead that was on her belt tried to pull her ass over to the cuff port and she had to spray his ass again so he got a nice little trip up to mental health yeah (laughs) yeah i was like hmm what could make this day be any worse i could have a guy telling me he loves me blow me kisses and jerking off in front of me that's not me yeah that's not billy (laughs) And that was it. That that pretty much topped my day. Yeah. That was the first. I've never had somebody furiously, furiously, Violent, with vigor. Violently masturbate. Masturbating, telling me he loves me and blowing me kisses. And blowing fucking hot air into my ear. I wanted to, like, douse myself in bleach or something. It was so disgusting. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That was a... It's quite a day. Yeah, it was quite a day. I ended up having to do a second body sheet on him because he got sprayed again. Second time, he was a little more willing to answer my questions because a guard came up and had his hand on the can of spray. And he was like, oh, no, 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 wait, 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 no, no. Like, yeah, you don't want to get your ass sprayed again, do you? (laughs) And that's what we call learning. Yep. He uh, learned. Don't know if I remember. I don't know if he had drugs in his system or what, but... He was fucking nuts. He learned don't do that shit. Yep. So, fun, right? Good times. Yeah, exciting. All right, guys, welcome to Martinis and the Macabre, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. My name's Erica. I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Billy. I made it, guys. You made it. Really glad you can hear me today. Yeah. (laughs) He's blessing you with his angelic voice. I had a customer tell me that one time. The old guy, it was funny. I was like, I was like, have a good day. He was like, you too. I'm glad you got to see me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you shoot him the double guns? No. Aw. Uh, missed uh, opportunity. Yeah. 
That's what we call a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like masturbating and getting sprayed. <laughs> yeah. With mace, not the, well, I mean. Yeah, it's some high intensity, like, my throat burned for the rest of the day, and I wasn't even in the pod when he got sprayed, and shit lingers in the air. <laughs> All right, so, this week we were actually going to cover a different topic, um, but I... As I started printing stuff out and look stuff up, I realized I needed probably a little bit more time to research and outline it. So I went with something a little bit different for this episode. We're going to discuss some mysterious objects or events that, even without our advanced science and technology, have yet to be explained. Till now. No, uh, not even now. Never mind. Unless someone knows Joe Nickel, maybe he can explain them. Where you at, Joe? Come on, Joe Nickel. Quit being a fucking asshole, Joe. Wow. Sorry, Joe. I love you, Joe. My bad, Joe. <laughs> so some of these are curious and some are downright perplexing. So let's get into it and start off with some of the more curious events and objects. And I ask you for your forgiveness now, as there are a multitude of foreign words I will be pronouncing poorly in this episode. But you'll do it better than me. I'm gonna try. It'll be a thing. Yawning! Which is contagious. So contagious. Everyone yawns, people and animals alike. It is a reflex where we breathe in deeply, expanding our diaphragm and stretching our eardrums, then exhale a large breath. And then Billy's phone sounds, and he yawns. (sighs) But but science doesn't know why we yawn. You keep talking. I'm going to get my phone and silence it. We usually associate it with being tired or bored many times shortly before and after sleep. But it is also considered, quote-unquote, contagious. Like the herp. Herpagonocyphoclap. I'm back. Yeah, you don't want none of that herpagonocyphoclap. Or that burp. I hear it's not contagious. The government just wants you to think that. Oh. It's totally contagious. If you have any outbreaks, be sure to address it and talk to your doctor about Valtrex. And then, after you take Valtrex, you can go ride a horse. Mm-hmm. You can what, do lots of things. That's what they do in the commercials. Yeah, exactly. That poor fucking horse didn't you ask for You play football. No, didn't you ask for no herpy ass to be on his back. Ride a horse. You can walk on the beach. Yeah. Because, you know, you couldn't do that before you got treated for your herp. Yeah. You couldn't have a picnic with your significant other, who I could only think gave you herpes. Or is giving, mm-hmm. or is going to get herpes but tonight. You know, if they really love each other, they don't care if they get it. They just want to be with that person that they love. That's romantic, by God. Give no. me your hurt, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> what you, a proposal, huh? You looked into my eyes when you said that shit. <laughs> you looked into my soul. I want your herp. <laughs> I do. I do accept your herp. <laughs> Well, after this episode, I'll be giving my wife herp. <laughs> you got to get it first. <laughs> I know a guy. Some shady shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if we see or hear someone yawn, we usually have a strong urge to do it as well. And science can't explain that either. And just me talking about it, Billy's yawning. I bet a lot of you are, too. Yawn. I bet a lot of you are doing it because I did it and I made it contagious. And it's not just humans that find it contagious. It's been observed in animals, cats, dogs, birds, chimps, and reptiles, 
all have the same urge to follow a yawn with their own yawn. And it happens cross species as well. We might see our cat yawn and get the urge, but our cat might also see us yawn and do the same. So why do we yawn and why are we so psychologically compelled to echo a yawn? There have been numerous proposed reasons Chris for yawning. That's why I started with this one, so we won't end on a sleepy note. <laughs> as long as the next one isn't sneezing or vomiting, I'm cool. <laughs> so, there's been numerous reasons that, you know, through the course of time have been proposed as to why we actually yawn. One theory was that we either biologically need more oxygen at that moment, or that we have too much carbon dioxide in our systems, so we have to breathe deep to get a bigger exhale to push the CO2 out. But studies have actually found that providing more oxygen or decreasing a person's CO2 did not curb the urge to yawn. Another hypothesis suggests that it is triggered by certain neurotransmitters in the brain. Chemicals including serotonin, nitric oxide, glutamic acid, and dopamine tend to increase the frequency of yawns when there are higher levels of these substances in the brain. While opioid neurotransmitters like endorphins, you know, the stuff that pumps you up, reduce the frequency because you're pumped up, you're awake, you're alert, you know, you're on standby, ready. You're ready to go. Yeah. You're ready to get that hurt. And people taking SSRIs, which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors like Paxil or Celexa, they yawn. No, that's not an SSRI. That's an antiviral. Okay. <laughs> 100% wrong, Billy. Just one playing field. Well, you can. After I take my Valtrex. With Valtrex. I can now. You can. In slow motion. I can smell flowers because I couldn't <laughs> smell them before. Because the herp was all up in my nose. Mm-hmm. I had, yep. I had that herp nose. Yep. That nasal herp. Yeah, that's not what you want. That's not a good one. Not unless you have it, baby. Then we're in this fight together. Aw. I don't want to touch you. Oh. <laughs> I don't have the herp yet. Yay. Yay. Tomorrow. Go, Joneses. Set an alarm. So people taking SSRIs tend to yawn more, especially in the first three months after starting their medication. But even if we have a biological reason for yawning, why is it so contagious? I don't know. A lot of things can be contagious. Seeing duty to Big Mac one time, and I was like, man, I want that Big Mac. Yeah, and I don't even like Big Macs. But every once in a while, they smell really good. And then I try them again, and I'm like, no, it's still not good. Driving past the Burger King fills me with primal rage. Like, I I want meat immediately. In my mouth. Put the That's meat, just hunger, hun. Put the meat in my mouth. We know about your meat in your mouth. We discussed this last episode. Yeah, Valtrex. <laughs> Way to bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> I like to stay focused. Today, today, for lunch, I had a pulled pork grilled cheese. And I didn't get any? No. See? You did I not. See. I don't want your herp anymore. Good. I don't want to give it to you because I care. I don't think you do. Or you would have shared your pulled pork grilled cheese. I'm sorry. It's just the bomb. Anyway, off of our meat topic that Billy keeps interjecting. They had six barbecue sauces. I had one of each. Go ahead. Fuck you, Billy. (laughs) So, one proposal is that it began as a way to keep us alert. We tend to perk up a little right after yawn. Yeah, but then you go down pretty quick. 
animals and humans in this historical timeline have been subject to predation, and we all needed to be focused and ready to act at any given moment. I'm ready. Yeah, but stand by. Look at her fucking dog. She yawns. Yeah. And she's down. And then we yawn because we see her yawning. Yeah, but I mean, I'm saying, like, she yawns. I want to yawn right now. Damn it! (laughs) 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 You bag of shit. (laughs) I stuck my finger in his mouth while he was yawning. (laughs) We've been doing that for years. Ruined your yawn. (laughs) You did. So, yeah, we, we needed to be focused, ready to act, if a predator came by. This theory adds that when this happens in a group, it signals to the others that the animal or person yawning isn't as alert as they need to be, whether they're tired or bored. It may be an instinctual reaction to alert the group to stay ready, which is then passed on by the others in the group. So it may be some kind of residual knowledge that is passed down through the eons of creatures to keep us aware of our surroundings. But now we just do it when we've been editing a podcast for three hours, staring at waveforms on a computer screen. That just might be me. That's you. That's me. Therefore, the quote-unquote contagious yawn could be an instinctual reaction to a signal from one member of the group reminding the others to stay alert. So So what you're saying is the signal for, hey, look out, is a yawn? That's what's proposed in the theory. That sounds dumb as shit. That's why it's a theory. <laughs> like, this, this is things that we can't explain. Like, That's the topic of this I'm, episode. Okay, but what I'm saying is like, okay, so you have a pack of lions out in the Serengeti or wherever, in the savannah, and one's slipping off his game, he starts yawning, and the other one's I'm like, not. Oh, oh, you oh. keep interrupting. And I'm talking about like gazelles that are just hanging out. Like, does one gazelle see that and go? Look out, guys! And they all start yawning like, "We're alert." Maybe. That, I mean, that's what they're saying, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's dumb, but okay. That's why there's no answer to it. Why do we fucking yawn when people talk about yawning or yawn in front of us? Or we hear them yawning. I don't know. Yawn. Yawn. You're doing it right now, aren't you guys? I know you are. Your little snuggle bunny lungs are pulling all that air in, mm. blowing it back out. Getting snuggle bunnyed up. Yeah. Bundled up like a snuggle bunny should. Look at you. Yeah. All tired and yawning. Because you're yawning. But wait, there's more! Oh, they know because they yawn. Now they're alert. Uh. You awake now? Yeah. Alright. The first of many mispronounced words. The Antikythera Mechanism. This is an artifact that was pulled from the ocean in 1901 in shipwreckage off of the coast of the Greek island of Antikythera. It has been dated as to have been created between 60 BC to 150 BC, with several different scientists giving varying dates. But no matter if it's from 60 BC or 150 BC, this shit is old. It is an ancient Greek analog computer. Bitch say what? Yup. It's got the Apple logo on it. I knew it. Yeah, you're totally right with that. Not. Dude, did you just pull a knot? Yeah, I did. That was that was horrible. It was rad. That was better. It was tubular. That was better than the knot. Cowabunga. I like that more than the knot. Per Wikipedia. I, I kind of want you to have herpes. Wow. Okay, go ahead. An analog computer, quote, 
uses the continuously changeable aspects of physical phenomena such as electrical, mechanical, or hydraulic quantities to model the problem being solved, end quote. So it figures shit out for you manually, basically, without being a digital mind. Oh. This artifact is thought to have been created by Greek scientists and was used to predict astrological information up to decades in advance. It could predict astronomical positions, eclipses, and to track the four-year cycle of the ancient Olympic Games. It contained gears and dials and originally a crake handle that could be rotated, but the handle has not been discovered. It's very water and time damaged and is fragmented over the years, but it has visible mechanisms that were rotated based on calendars and could calculate the positions of the sun, the moon, dates of eclipses, and possibly even positioning of planets. That's how you do it. Scientists don't know how the fuck Greeks discovered this technology, but more confusing is that this technology was lost at some point following this object's creation, only to appear again in the 14th century. We're going from B.C. to the 1300s, and it's just nowhere to be found. You know, we suck with time. How so? Well, the Mayans, or the Aztecs, if I could both, they had that pretty figured out. Well, you're supposed to die seven calendar. years ago. Well, I know. Okay, that's their one fuck up. Let's not <laughs> let's not drag them down, you know. But they got that shit figured out pretty good. The Greeks, they figured out, you know, four year cycle ahead, and they figured out the the positioning of. And they even included leap year. That's what I'm saying, and we're so dumb that we have to have a leap year that we have to add an extra day because days run over. It's like remainder two bullshit that we have every three years so the fourth year like you know what's added day it evens out so it makes us look pretty stupid <laughs> but what's perplexing to me is okay so it's got all these gears dials it can you know calculate stuff that's going to happen in the future and it's really advanced but how does knowledge of something this complex and advanced get lost for centuries I mean, it just, it was there, and then it wasn't for thousands of years. I don't understand that. Well, for hundreds of years, I should say. Well, what gets me is that they have this highly advanced piece of equipment, and they put it on their good old-fashioned rickety fucking Greek ships. They had it in a box. It was contained in a box, so obviously it was something special that was to be safeguarded. Okay, but the ship sunk, so... That's what I'm saying. I, you know, I feel like you kind of missed my point. Either somebody got really mad and threw it off a cliff, or they put it in an old rickety fucking boat and lost it. Which well, is weird, like, because it's like, okay, if you have something that advanced, why don't you build an advanced ship? The Titanic was advanced. It sunk on its first maiden voyage. So, I mean, shit happens. Yeah, because of all the icebergs that are in Greece. Yep. Okay. All of them. This Every is, single one of them. This took a turn towards the ridiculous. Yep. A little bit. I'm going with it. I want to touch it. Touch what? That thing. The mechanism. Yeah. What's it called, Billy? What? What, what is it? Antikythera. Hey. The Antikythera mechanism. I don't know if that's right or not, but it sounds good. I like this shit. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, how does this knowledge get lost for that long? And if the technology hadn't been lost... Where would our current technology be today? If they had that shit back then, like, what would we be looking at right now? 
that's the thing that gets me is like how did how do they have this technology yeah and if they had that what else do they have that we don't know about exactly what else is in a box at the bottom of the fucking ocean exactly i mean and how are aliens not involved <laughs> well all of the fragments of the mechanism are in the national archaeological museum in athens along with replicas used to demonstrate how it possibly looked and worked as a whole. I don't want to go to Athens. Never mind. I don't want to touch it no more. And you can find pictures of, like, replicas. I mean, it's a box with, like, gears and a handle, and everything turns, and it's, like, month, day, year. And, well, basically, if you're a super nerd and want to learn more about it, the Wikipedia for it has dimensions. It has how many gears were there, how the dials were turned. Basically, all the data you would need... To nerd out on it. I mean, it's like got everything. It seems kind of crazy that this is a Greek invention and you're drinking Kraken. Yes, I am. They're like, that's what it was for. Is every four years is the Olympic Games and the Kraken shows up to kill a virgin. <laughs> Next is a case of Jean Hilliard. This is a woman that was completely frozen and somehow survived. I know how this happened. How? All right, there's this cool interactive documentary called Mortal Kombat. Now, there's this guy. Um, he dresses primarily in blue. He he likes blue. Yeah, I know. He's my boy. And he brings your body down to sub-zero temperatures, hence his name, Sub-Zero. In the world of Mortal Kombat, yeah. Sub-Zero likes to freeze you and bring you down to sub-thermal temperatures. And then... Nerd, nerd, nerd. See, all that happened was was Jean just didn't get uppercut. She got frozen and just stuck there. No one finished her. No one finished her. And, like, Sub-Zero, he was right there. He could have done it. And he was like, you know what? No. And he walked off, it which I probably, respect. It was, no, it was probably your AI that you had set up to fight your little matches for you they're they didn't do the finishing move um they're the towers of time and they're not little matches they're, so you can shut your little ass up um uh, you're not actually doing it you're making the computer do it for you what's the point of playing the game we went over this yeah we went over this yeah i can't unlock the towers until i do about 75 fatalities 75 brutalities until i get like 25 fatal blows 10 flawless victories i go and do that fuck off no <laughs> I go and do that myself. As I push my glasses up I go, on my nerdy nose. I go and do that myself, so that way when I unlock all these towers, I let the AI do the work because, damn it, I did all the heavy lifting. You get really And I sit back and this. watch. I am not lazy. I didn't say you were lazy. And my AI is good. He, does he doesn't good. always do the finishing moves. Uh, he does not, but he does unfreeze your ass. Um, You unfreeze yourself after a few seconds. And, and, and uh, Jean, I'm sorry, Jean didn't. She did. Jan froze. Took a while. Yeah. He hit her hard. <laughs> anyway. So in 1980, Jean, who was around 19 years old... Started some shit with a ninja. Yep. Dressed <laughs> in blue. She was involved in a car crash in Sub-Zero... Temperatures. Oh, what? In rural northwestern Minnesota. Minnesota. So, way up by Canada. I'm trying to say it like the Mortal Kombat announcer voice. Minnesota. Finisher. <laughs> I can't think. I'm trying. I'm trying to like think like how to do a Minnesota accent, but like how to say finisher. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that was ridiculous. Sub Zero's like I'm good, and then left, and then started up his own food truck. 
fun fact. Selling what? Uh, ice cones. Snow cones? Snow cones. You dumbass. What mm. else would he sell? Hot dogs? Maybe. That's not Sub-Zero's Maybe he way. really likes hot dogs. I don't think you know Sub-Zero like you think you do. Do you? Yeah. No. You've only just started playing with him. You don't know. I'm OG. You're not OG. Okay, guys. I'm OG. Guys, listen. Okay, listen. She thinks she is the shit with Sub-Zero in Mortal Kombat because all she does is fucking jump kick you. And then when you try to get up, guess what? You get jump kicked again. That's not a special Sub-Zero thing. That's a any player in a fucking game No, thing. I would freeze you and uppercut you. Oh, gee, thanks. That's it. That's all we got. Yeah. Back in the late 90s, I was pretty badass with Sub-Zero. Not today. Not good by any stretch of the imagination today, because I don't play it. That's okay. I never beat um, Super Mario, so... Yeah. So it's all right. Or I, Silent Hill. I, 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 that's not my... It is my fault. I saved it such a wrong time. We've went over this, though, yes. on the podcast. And <laughs> it's my fault, but it's not my fault. In, in hindsight, I should have... Um, should have just went ahead and died. Actually, should have died, and then got brought back, and then saved. And that way, I could at least have a clean start. Fresh, you know, clean slate. We're really going off topic. Car wreck, huh? Mm-hmm. Minnesota. Here they like cheese. Minnesota. I'm thinking of Wisconsin. I'm not sure they like cheese in Minnesota. If you don't like cheese, there's something wrong with you. I have a question for like people. Like lactose intolerance. I have a question for people in Minnesota. If you're listening and you're from Minnesota, here's my question. What do we sound like? No. Well, <laughs> sure. Why not? Um, it's an alcohol question. Now, we have all these all this bourbon. And um, so we spoke to Kirsten. And... She knows a lot about bourbon um, because because of her profession. And mm-hmm. I know a lot about bourbon because of my profession. And everybody tells me. Yeah, I felt lost in that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're, I hear, and this is where you guys come in, Minnesota. So like if you're looking for Blanton's or Pappy Van Winkle, which is hard to get anywhere. Um, Angel's Envy, Angel's Envy Rye, Old Fitzgerald, um Rock Hill Farms. I could go on and on and on about all these allocated, hard-to-get bourbons. They always say, go to Minnesota. Hmm. Yeah. And one of the guys that told me was one of my beer delivery drivers. He's originally from Minnesota. He says, oh, you want that? Go to Minnesota. It's collecting dust. I was like, why? Like a lot of dry counties or something? No, no, no. Uh, this is this is what he told me. He said, um, people in Minnesota don't really have a head for bourbon. I was like, well, what do they have Are a they head? Have beer state? Brandy. They say, like... He said, like, if you want a good, solid brandy that's going to cost you a lot, that, that Minnesota's where you go. And if you want a good bourbon that nobody else can get, go to Minnesota because it's sitting there because they don't want it. They want the brandy. Hmm. I don't know. But then I get to thinking, you know how it's really cold out, like sub-zero temperatures? <laughs> yeah. At the same Finish him. St. Bernard, that little barrel under his neck is brandy. So you, you can warm yourself up, which actually is, you shouldn't do that. But it's yeah, it cold. The and it's cold, and they want to nip. Maybe it's brandy. People from Minnesota, get back with me on that, please. Okay. So this bitch got in a wreck. She got in a wreck <laughs> in northwestern Minnesota, and after the crash, which happened sometime shortly after midnight, her car wouldn't start, and she walked to a friend's house a couple of miles away, collapsing about fifteen feet or four point six meters from her friend's front door. This reminds me of that book. I know, I really narrowed it down. There's a lot of them, Billy. Oh, God, that guy. We had to read him in high school. He always wrote about wolves in the Arctic. Um, fuck. 
can't think of it. But it's a story about a guy who needs to get to the boy's cabin. And he's walking. And he's walking with his dog. He ends up freezing to death. I don't remember Jack that at all. Land- Landers. Jack Sanders. Jack, fuck, man. That's bothering the shit out of me. It's reminding me of that. Like, he's trying to get somewhere, but the storm is getting worse and worse and worse. They made a movie about it. We had to watch it. Jack Landon? Jack Jack Landon. Shit. Can't think of it. But, like, it got to where, like, he would spit, and then, like, it hit the ground. It was already Somebody's frozen. Somebody's probably screaming the answer they right probably, now. They're probably really <laughs> mad at me right now. And then, like, in the movie, like, it was like he knew that he, if he cut the dog open and killed it, that he could get warmth from the body. And then, it's like, the movie's being narrated. And he thinks that and he goes to the dog and the dog runs off and starts snapping at him and the narrator's like the dog knew that he was trying to kill him to stay warm and all that and he ended up freezing to death but that's what we think of like you're that does not sound familiar to me at all ah well fuck the school I went to <laughs> but that's what this that's what it reminded me of like you, you you walk it you think like ah that's just a walk and the yeah, next thing you know she's injured she's like that's the only way because I mean they didn't have cell phones back in 1980 so that was the closest place she knew to go to get help. She makes it almost to their front door and fucking collapses. And uh, like I said, this happened just after midnight. She wasn't discovered until 7 a.m. the next morning. And temperatures had dropped to negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit or negative 30 degrees Celsius overnight. And Jean was found, quote unquote, frozen solid. She was transported to the hospital and her body temperature was so low it wouldn't register on the thermometers. Her skin was so frozen that hypodermic needles couldn't pierce her skin. She still had a faint pulse at 12 beats per minute, which is extremely low. Normal is 60 to 100. So, like, less than a fourth of what it's supposed to be. So what's that say for brain activity? Well, her eyes were fixed with no visible response to light, which usually indicates a severe brain injury. She was wrapped in an electric blanket and began having seizures about two hours later and then suddenly regained consciousness. She only had some frostbite, which was able to be repaired with skin grafts. Now, many people have been pulled from freezing waters or have been found with severe hypothermia and been revived and lived. Yeah, remember Earl? Yeah, Earl. I don't know. (laughs) But no one can really explain how she survived without brain damage after being physically frozen with no signs of response. Say something. Say anything. Don't piss off (laughs) Sub-Zero. Well, people have survived with body temperatures that drop into the upper 60s Fahrenheit, which is around 20 degrees Celsius. But Jean's temp was so low that it couldn't even be read. Science has learned that colder temperatures seem to slow down brain and body functions, which helps keep the body alive in extreme conditions. But lying unconscious in negative 22 degrees for over six hours should have killed her. So what'd she do with her millions and millions of dollars? What millions and millions of dollars? She didn't buy a lottery ticket? This mm. is the luckiest bitch in the world. No, not one Powerball. Not, not that I'm aware not of. Not nothing. Not what that if, I saw in the research. What if like that happens to where it's like all of your good luck that you'll ever have in your life, like some force out there decides, ah, we're just going to cash it all in, and then you don't freeze to death. <laughs> but then you're constantly laid on your bills, and you get your electric shut off, and you're like, I'm alive, I'm not frozen yeah, to death. Like, or it's like the rest of her life, she always stubs her toe <laughs> every morning. <laughs> yep, calling that one in. <laughs> 
She always has that one headache that's right behind the eye. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the dancing forest and skiba dibba dee bop ba da bop 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 ba da bop dance party. Yeah. Bum 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 bum. Everybody scream! Woo! We're bringing that back. Yeah. And this Didn't is... I say in the last episode? This is something we're going to just do. Yep. Okay. So in... Tell me about this kick-ass force. Kaliningrad Oblast, Russia. And I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Kaliningrad. I'm sorry. Mother Russia. Right? Mother Russia. Oh, sorry. You know, what's crazy is Russian... That's being impersonated by Americans sounds horrible. But if you listen to a Russian speak Russian, it's actually beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful language. And at the same time, sounds like a DJ playing music backwards. All right. Okay. Never thought about that. Yeah. That's where your mind goes. Okay. (laughs) I'd love to learn Russian. And they have it, I think, on Duolingo. Mm -hmm. But on Duolingo, you you have to also type stuff. And you have to type it in Russian. I have a Russian keyboard, yeah, it's and that's not fair. It's different that's totally, alphabet. That's totally not fair. Anyone who's watched Stranger Things uh, Season 3 would know that they have a completely different alphabet. I've been asked if, if I knew Russian. Because Why? a person, uh, a couple people over the past 10 years or whatever, they asked, uh, you know, they, they said, where's your stoli? I said, oh, it's right here. And I just point to the pint, you know, like, that's right here. And they said, what... I thought it just says Stoli. I said, well, it says Stoli right there, you know, on the white part of the label with the red on top is the full name. And they said, they'll, they'll be like, no, that's not Stoli. I said, yeah, Stoli is short for Stolishnaya. And they go, you speak Russian? I'm like, no, I don't speak Russian. I just read. <laughs> I know liquors. It's right there. Stolishnaya. <laughs> it's not hard. Well, in this place that I already said that I'm not going to try and pronounce again. Kaliningrad. Kaliningrad Oblast, Russia. There is a pine forest full of not-so-normal trees. Their trunks bend, squiggle, loop, and spiral, and no one knows why. Unlike forests called quote-unquote drunken forests, whose entire position is tilted off of its vertical axis... Which is where we're camping this spring. The drunken forest? Fuck yeah. <laughs> you don't like camping. Oh. I don't. You well, don't. I do. I no. No, you don't. I tolerate no, you, it. Yeah. No. No. You've sworn that you've never would go camping again. What are you talking about? After our one expedition camping when we were dating, you said I will never go camping again. I woke up in a puddle of fucking water, which was an inflatable mattress. It deflated, yeah. and this waterproof tent. Check out the fucking air quotes on that shit. And I woke We'd up. used it for several years. It Bitch, I woke up next to a goldfish. This is bullshit. And goldfish I, don't fall from the sky. Well, we will fist fight. My point is, is I remember watching when Blair Witch first came out. I'm like, I'm never going. Can't, fuck, I'm never going in the woods. This is stupid. And that even reinforced your beliefs. But then what did I do afterwards? What? I joined the fucking army. We went camping all the goddamn time. <laughs> With scorpions I had to dig and camel holes. spiders. I had to dig holes and shit in them. I'm pretty good at camping. I can set up a tent pretty good. Well, uh, like I said, Drunken Forest, the tree's whole position is just kind of tilted off of its vertical axis. But these trees in Russia, 
The trunks themselves twist and turn rather than the special position of the entire tree. They were planted in the 1960s to try to stabilize the dune sand, which is what some people theorize caused the misshapen trunks, the movement of the unsteady ground. Yeah, I can see that. Some attribute the strange tree growth to strong winds. Others believe it is human manipulation of the trunks as they grow. The most common theory is that it's a caterpillar's fault. The fuck is that? It's thought that pine shoot moth caterpillars, otherwise known as... Go ahead. Do it. Ryastiona booliana. Yep. <laughs> That's it. That's what I got. That's all I got for you. <laughs> that thing actually damages the apical buds, which is like the top sprouting part of the tree, the apex, at a young age, which causes them to divert their path of growth, growing out to the side rather than straight up. And since plants like to reach up to the sun to get their photosynthesis on. Yep. That's what photosynthesis sounds like. Exactly. They begin to correct their growth upward. Do this enough and you would have a pretty fucking crooked tree in theory. This theory has yet to actually be proven though. A less scientific theory proposed is that the forest is full of polar energies Positive and negative energies clashing and playing tug of war with the tree trunks as they grow. You've already lost me. They're like, no, oh, I want the tree. I get, I get no, what... I want the tree. And then it ends up yeah. all fucking stupid. Oh, no, I get what you're saying. Yep. So I, then I didn't lose you. I just unsubscribed just now. <sighs> Lame. Whatever the cause, superstition in the area has led to locals calling it the Drunken Forest and they claim that climbing through one of the loops in a trunk will add an extra year to your life or grant you a wish. So, get your plane tickets to Russia. Trying to win that lotto. Mm-hmm. Next one is the Codex Gigas, or the giant book, a.k.a. the Devil's Bible. Ooh. That's scary as shit. This actually is... I, I know about this one. Mm-hmm. This is one of the ones I do know about, and it's really interesting. Well, the, 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 the folklore. It, yeah. If what happened happened. If, if what happened happened, that's fucking insane. That's fucking bananas. But, like, the, the story is pretty neat. Like B-A-N-A-N-A-S. It. That's actually when I have to write down bananas. I have to do that. This shit is bananas. I have to. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. I, I'm not fucking around. Like, I, I there's a liquor I order called I'm Bananas Over You. Mm-hmm. And I have to go, I'm, I'm, and I go, this shit is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) The Codex Gigas is the largest medieval illustrated manuscript in the world, measuring 36 inches long or 92 centimeters, 20 inches wide, 50 centimeters, and 8.7 inches thick, 22 centimeters. That's a huge bitch. Yep. I've seen it. Created in the early 13th century, it currently weighs a whopping 165 pounds, or 74.8 kilograms, and was originally thought to have contained 320 pages. It now has 310, and it's unclear if the missing pages were purposefully removed or lost over the centuries. It was created in Benedictine Monastery of... Let it rip. You got it. in Bohemia which is a region of the current-day Czech Republic and was meant to be a work of history. What's interesting is how there are pages that are missing. It makes me think of um, 
Johnny Depp, uh, the Ninth Gate. Mm-hmm. How he was trying to find like the Bible of Satan, and, and there were pages they weren't removed, but the illustrations were done by a different artist, and one of them was done well, by Lucifer. I, I didn't put the whole history of the book in here. Oh no, don't! But there was like a fire, and they had to actually throw the book out of a window to save the book. So it's possible that some of those pages came up missing when it hit the ground after being thrown out a window. You'll have that. Yeah, that'll happen. So it contains multiple written works, including the complete Vulgate Bible, which became the official Latin version of the Bible used in Catholicism in the 16th century. Isidore of Seville's encyclopedia called Etymologiae, Josephus's Antiquities of the Jews, Medical Writings, two books by Constantine the African, a compilation of treatises, and many more, all written in Latin. It's referred to as the Devil's Bible because of a strange full-page, 50-centimeter-tall illustration of the devil in the middle of the book. Yeah, he's like green or something, like blue or green. It's juxtaposed on the opposite page by a depiction of the Kingdom of Heaven. Some scholars believe that the Codex was created by Herman the Recluse, a monk at the monastery. And how do you get that title? Well, your Herman the Recluse. Your name's Herman, so you're halfway there. <laughs> Herman if the anybody, Hermit. If any of you snuggle by your name Herman, I love you and you're amazing. <laughs> and get so, out every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a monk at the monastery. Though the creator or creators is up for debate. It has been studied by manuscript experts and handwriting analysts and is believed to all be written by a single scribe. But tests done to recreate the work have shown that if it was created by a single person, it would have taken 20 to 30 years to complete, which seems unlikely. It also seems unlikely that a person froze solid. I mean... Yeah. But I didn't read anything saying that they dated any of the pages like earlier than the other pages. I don't think when you go back to like dating, you can narrow it down to a specific year. But you would think more pages in the front would be worn than the ones near the end if you kept it for that long. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to really have some OCD to write a book for 30 years. I, pr- I probably would. I probably <laughs> would. pristine. I would have to make it to where the last page I wrote had to be as pristine as the first page so nobody could ever touch the fucking book ever. But I mean, even <clears throat> just the air can disintegrate <clears throat> pages of shit. Well, you can't avoid that. And all this stuff was done on what was basically hide, I think it was called vellum, vellum, something like that. It was basically taken tan pages of like hide mm-hmm. to write on. You think over time that those pages would be older. Now there were some pages they said were darker than the rest, but that's where like they would leave the books open to specific areas to like make a point to people that would see it. So if this book was like put out in the public, I could see it being laid open for that but if somebody's keeping it for 30 years i don't know why that would be just laid out for everybody seems like they'd be constantly working on it yeah i don't know the whole thing's weird yeah it's a big ass fucking book yeah huge huge fucking book a legend formed around the book in the middle ages it's said that the scribe of the codex was a monk who broke the vows of the monastery and was sentenced to death by being walled up with no exits to dehydrate and starve. He promised to create a book that would glorify the monastery 
and would include all human knowledge known in just one night in exchange for reprieve. This all sounds like a ghost story. It sounds like something from the Bible. It's, yeah, it sounds like some old folklore where somebody broke a rule. They never say what the rule is. They yeah. never say what the offense was. But the sentence is death. And he avenged tuberculosis. Something. It's avenged always like tuberculosis? that. Tuberculosis? Okay. But what I'm saying is there's always some weird ass fucking... It's stupid. Yeah. Well, according to this... And that means that, means that they spent all this time walling up the mug... And, then, you know, when they put that last brick in, they didn't put it in. He was like, I'll write a book and I'll say good things. We good. And the dude's like, word. No, it didn't fucking happen like that. That's not how that works. Well, according to this urban legend or whatever we would like to call it, he started transcribing but soon realized he would not be able to finish the book in time. Shockity shock shock. That there's a big book. That there's a whole bunch of pages. Me and my little right hand. This ain't gonna go. It said he prayed, but not to God, even though he was a monk, but to Lucifer, the devil. He asked him to help with finishing the book and would give Lucifer his soul in exchange. Lucifer accepted and finished the codex, and the monk drew in the picture of the devil as a showing of gratitude. So, fuck everything I was raised to believe. And that I've lived for however many years as a monk. I'm going to pray to Lucifer instead of God. Aren't you kind of shooting yourself in the foot if you're a monk in a monastery? <laughs> Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You're kind of just... At this point, you're throwing anything against the wall to see if it sticks. Mm-hmm. And the devil showed up. Yeah. It's weird to pray and to tell God to take a lap. <laughs> Well, no one really knows who created the book, why it was created, or if it really took decades to complete. Or if he was let out of that fucking wall. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with the monk's one night stand with the Prince of Darkness, because that's just the funnest of all the scenarios that could be. Yeah. I mean, sure. There's that movie, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, that came out, which I really want to fucking see. So, yeah. Why not? Go for the fun one. Go with the fun one. Have some fun in your life. Next topic. Gravity. I want to say Neil deGrasse Tyson could probably explain this one. Mm, not quite. We all know about gravity. Most of us have learned about it the hard way a time or two. We've seen that fucking movie. You're walking down the sidewalk and your feet become stupid. And then all of a sudden God shoots you down with a gravity bullet. Yep. But I tell you what, I hear, and it's a it's a popular saying. It's not popular, but it's a saying, and a guy said it. And you're so going to repeat it? Every footstep man teeters on disaster, I believe it is. Yeah. Because you have, you're, you're standing on one ball of your foot. You're standing on the balls of one foot, mm-hmm. and you are going to fall yeah. at any given time. And running, forget about it. That's why I don't run. That's the fucking point. I just you're fall, afraid of falling? I just fall down harder. <laughs> well, Newton's bonk on the head by a falling apple led to the creation of principles to explain gravity. It's one of the four forces that hold the universe together and keeps us planted on the ground. Now, if there's any fans out there that are fans of Mr. Show, 
there is a sketch where Isaac Newton shows up on a <laughs> on a mountain bike. I thought it was on a scooter. Yeah, it was on a mountain bike, and and he showed up. And he was like, when I was a child, somebody once touched my butthole, and it made me yearn for knowledge. And he went. Hey, like he like nodded his head at somebody <laughs> off camera and like drove off. It was fucking great. Give him just the right amount of insecurity and self hatred. Not a fan of that movie Gravity though. A lot of people weren't. Made a lot of people sick. Uh, like visually, it's mm-hmm. great. But here's the thing. Okay, if you've seen the movie Gravity with Sandra Bullock and George Clooney, the acting is great. Yeah, the visual effects are amazing. Sure. Here's the thing. You, if you've watched it, this is no spoiler alert because this is the beginning of the fucking movie. When everything goes haywire and she gets shot off into space, she's like, oh, oh my God, oh my God. and she's flipping, right? It's disorienting, right? You know how when you're in space, if you start flipping, you know what you do? Close your fucking eyes. You will not be disoriented anymore. There is no gravity. There is nothing pulling you down. You cannot be, it doesn't mess with your mind. Close your eyes. And you don't you feel like you're not moving because you're in a vacuum. You're in an eternal vacuum. Mm-hmm. You're perfectly fine. And speaking of Neil deGrasse Tyson, if I'm not mistaken, the the the, the satellite is spinning so fast that she has to you know use the rope and climb to it and get to it and everything. All you have to do is go to it and just grab it, and then you did it because there's no gravity. There's nothing pulling you down, and there's you're in a vacuum. It's not going to throw you off of it. Just touch it. It will stop because there's nothing. There's no air. There's no force. There's no wind resistance. There's nothing that's going to, that's going to stop you. Like, oh, this is going 500 miles an hour. I better stop it. Touch. Did it. Like, that's how it would work. Damn, Billy, you're smart. Yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson, that's the worst fucking like, space movie he's ever fucking seen in his life. <laughs> you know what one he loves? The Martian. He says that is the smartest movie. And it's him um, cultivating shit, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to make potatoes. and, yeah. and, and about to make it how, livable. How the, the, the time difference between, like, sending messages and how they communicate through pointers and alphabet code uh, stuff. He said that's like, the, that's, like, one of the best movies he's ever seen. Okay. Erica, go. All right. Gravity. So, the four forces that kind of hold the universe together are gravitation, electromagnetism, the weak interaction, and the strong interaction. And gravity is the weakest of the four forces, despite holding everything down and being generated by all bodies with mass throughout the universe. And there has not been any kind of particle ever discovered that would control gravity. There's a hypothetical particle called the graviton, not to be confused with the gravitron from the fair. Which is fun as fuck. (laughs) That scientists think could be the reason for gravitational force, but you think we would have discovered it by now. Also, gravity doesn't work on either a quantum or atomic scale. It is incredibly difficult to analyze mathematically. It can be modeled and the force can be calculated, but without a particle to explain it, No one really knows how it works. It has been studied for a century and we have no definitive answers as to why our feet are planted firmly on the ground. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, they got a little too cerebral for you. You got a little too 
smarty arty farty for me but <laughs> yeah it's hard to explain because i mean i think of a black hole we can't explain gra- we, yeah we, we know that it's here but we don't know why like we can't or exp- how we can't fully explain a black hole and we can't fully explain gravity mm-hmm. and gravity's a big deal with a black hole so like we're kind of just fucked yeah like, all i know is that we're constantly fighting gravity There's unless that. it's something like maybe down in the core of the earth i've always thought it has something to do with our spin like how fast we're spinning it's like a, it's like an opposite centrifugal but if it was force. centrifugal we would be flying out i said it's an opposite like centrifugal force like the faster we spin the 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 more like the atmosphere crushes us down. i don't know i don't know or maybe it has to do with the atmosphere how dense the atmosphere is because like if you land on fucking saturn you can't because it's a gas planet but still like the closer you get to the core the more crushed you get does it have to do with gravity? Does it have to do with the atmosphere on top of you that you pass through that's now crushing you down? It's kind of like the ocean. The deeper you go, the more pressure. I don't know. I don't know. That's why I'm thinking, Wonder. I'm wondering if it's like... What if we What if we do? What if we crack the code tonight? If it's like in the core of the earth, and maybe that's why the pressure is so intense when you get deep down in the sea. I don't know. If it's stronger the closer you get to it? What if... The center of the Earth is a big magnet, but it's not a magnet the way we think of magnets, where a magnet only attracts this certain type of metal. What if there are particles in our body that is attracted to whatever is in the middle of the Earth? Mm-hmm. We can't get to the middle of the Earth to find out what that is and why that happens. Yeah. We don't know. We just know we're stuck here, planted on the ground. We can't fly. Fuck. Damn it. <laughs> I'm going to keep trying. Sure. Hun. I'm not going to because I'd be up there with birds. They don't dig me. I'm nope. going to stay here on Earth. Birds don't like you. They don't like we me. We know that. Next topic is Roman dodecahedrons. I have no idea what the fuck that is. And you know me, Erica. I love history. No one knows what they are. I'm a sucker for history. I have never heard that sound ever in my life that just came out of your mouth. Yep. Roman, yes. The other one, no, not not really so much. Dodecahedrons? Yep. Don't know what the <laughs> fuck that is. About 100 of these have been found all over Europe. A dodecahedron is made of 12 pentagonal faces connected together. Face? Human faces? No. Like facets, like cuts. They're all pentagons that are flat, but they're all connected together to make like a... It's like a sphere, but it's got... The edges and angles, and it's all pentagons flat. That's weird. Jamie, show you a picture. I'll look it up. Okay. In fact, you go ahead, Erica. Go. I'm on Google. This bitch. So. Oh, Google! If you want to sponsor the show, go ahead. We've said your name enough in this series. <laughs> yeah, look up Roman dodecahedrons. D o d e c a h e d r o n s. These were created in the 2nd or 3rd century AD and were made of bronze or stone, are hollow in the middle, and have holes in the center of each face, varying in size. Each corner where the faces connect with each other has a small knob or protrusion sticking out. I'm looking at it right now. Mm -hmm. Um, If you guys are looking at it by chance, uh, this looks like a puzzle in Silent Hill. (laughs) They range from about 1.6 to 4.3 inches or 4 to 11 centimeters in size. They're not very big. And no one has 
any clue what they were created for, as there is no mention or depictions of them in any writings or art from the time frame. Grenades. Figured it out. Grenades. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> what were the Romans known for? Warfare. They conquered shit. You think they had grenades in ancient Rome? They had grenades in China long before that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They did. You just take gunpowder, put it in a clay vase, and light a fuse and throw it. That There's a grenade. But there's holes on every side. That's that defeats the, the purpose. That's the thing. I think it's like... Here's my opinion. It's a reusable grenade that just didn't get picked up at the end of a battle or something. It was just left there. Whereas, like... All over Europe? It'll blow... And spread shrapnel and kill people. And then you could pick it up and repack it with whatever. But it's been found in multiple countries. I know, but here's the thing. Rome did a lot of wars. They they were in a, they were in a few. That's why that's how they ruled like half of the world. So I'm thinking it and I, I and, and with the little stick and ball thing that's on the edges of it and everything, it makes it like state like stationary. Mm-hmm. Like you could throw it and it just st- sits there and then the fuse goes and goes boom. But it, 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 like a sticky bomb? Kind of like a sticky bomb. And they could come back and grab it and be like, oh, use this for later. Uh, that one, that you, you cracked you crack the seam on that one. You know, uh, that throw that one away. That type of stuff. Hmm. That's my theory. Okay. Well, wax has been found in two of the decahedrons that were found, prompting some to believe that they were used as a candle holder. But it could have been created for another purpose, and those two examples just happen to have been owned by a resourceful person that found an alternate use for them. They could have been used as some kind of dice. They could have been used for estimating distance or size of objects far away. They may have been religious artifacts, or they could have been used for knitting. There are so many possibilities, but they have been found with coin hoards, which suggests that their owners consider them valuable objects, which would kind of steer away from them being for grenades. I kind of went straight for the most violent thing ever. Yeah. I kind of just jumped right to that. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Smaller versions that include the same features have been found in Southeast Asia made out of gold and are used for decorative purposes. Okay, now I feel dumb. The earliest of which seem to have been created during ancient Roman times. So, they varied in size, but they were fairly small. I don't understand how they would consider them, like, art or decoration if they're made out of, you know, stone or bronze. Yeah, so no one knows what these were used for. But there's so many possibilities. It could be fucking anything. If you're listening right now, Google the image and see if there is a movie where that shows up. Maybe it shows them using it for something. Pretty sure they probably looked at that first. Like the researchers. Hmm? Like, how are you confused? Why did I say that was so confusing? Why would a movie show what it was used for? I don't know. People in We're talking about ancient Rome. Yeah, people in ancient Rome movies were togas. It's a thing. So... What I'm saying is, like, the movie Gladiator, see if one of those is in the background. No. I told you in the research, they said that there's been no mention of them in any writings or no depictions of them in any art. No one knows what they're for. Ah, That's weird. So, if they don't know what it's for, I can't imagine they would use them in current media. It's a weird little thingy. Yeah. 
And I mean that too. It's yeah, a weird, it's a weird a, little thing. It's a weird little thingy. Yep. All right. And lastly, the Voynich manuscript. And this is a real head scratcher. It is an illustrated handwritten book that has been carbon dated back to the early 1400s and was possibly created in Italy during the Italian Renaissance. It gets its name from the book dealer who purchased it in 1912, whose last name was Voynich. The text is all written left to right, and most of the remaining 240 pages include illustrations or diagrams, as well as several fold-out pages. The thing is, it is written in a completely unknown writing system that has still not been decoded centuries later. It has been studied by a multitude of professional and amateur cryptographers and code breakers over the years. Well, they haven't showed it to me. You're going to break that code? Never said I would. I'm just saying they haven't showed it to me. <laughs> Almost every page has some of the undecipherable text, but there's also some random Latin thrown in in areas. Based on the illustrations, it is broken into six sections. Herbal, astronomical, biological, cosmological, pharmaceutical, and recipes. Ooh. I love recipes. <laughs> Many of the illustrations of plants have been unable to be identified. Several have a plant that is mismatched to a set of roots. In many of the tubes and equipment illustrated in the biological section does not match any equipment known to be used in that time period. What if this is their Lord of the Rings outer world fucking novel they wrote that is being blown way out of proportion? Could be. Could be aliens. Could be somebody just fucking around. Who fuck knows? I think it was just somebody really being really creative and really misunderstood throughout the, the mankind's history. He's like nobody gets me, and then the rest of history is like the original emo. Yeah, and then the rest of, the rest of the world forever is like, yeah, we don't get you. <laughs> What's up with this weird fucking strawberry drawing you made? I don't get this. <laughs> What's all these squigglies on on the on the page? You big stupid. You big bag of stupid. Over the decades, many people have come forth claiming to have deciphered some or even all of the codex, saying it is everything from a guide to women's health to a forgery made to fool an emperor into buying it. I believe the last one more. <laughs> I believe the last one more because like, he's like drunk with his friends, like, watch this bullshit. <laughs> like, <laughs> hold my beer. That was the equivalent of hold my beer. <laughs> he drew an octopus with a pine tree root. He's like, well, this motherfucker's stupid as shit. Watch this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was executed. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Fred. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. Write a recipe for that shit. <laughs> All have been at least partially debunked. Even one from earlier just this year, made by a biology research assistant at the University of Bristol. The university quickly removed references to the researchers' findings, citing concerns about the researchers' validity. If I had to guess, I'd say the Zodiac Killer is a time traveler and he made it. Because no one has broken his codes either. That is true. Mm -hmm. That is true. Yep. Or it's a title handed down. Master Code Guy. Maybe. But the Zodiac Killer was a fucking psychopath and killed people too. <laughs> Could be. You're on to something there, Billy. <laughs> I think I'm on to something. And actually, this is totally off topic, but kind of on topic. It has to do with the movie Joker. Mm -hmm. It's coming out in October. 
which I want to fucking see so bad, mm-hmm. takes place in the 80s, but in the 80s, in this time period, bear with me, guys, I'm nerding out. In this time period, uh, I, I think during the preview, when he tries to put a smile on a little kid's face, that little kid is Bruce Wayne. I think the Joker is a character and not a person. He is the first Joker and is a title that is passed down through the ages. That's why the Joker never really gets old. Because if you think about it, when Bruce Wayne gets older, there's no way this Joker would still be... He'd be like 70 or 80 fucking years old. So he has to pass it down to the next Joker. The Joker is just a character, not a person. The first one was Arthur Fleck. Nerd. Just saying. Nerd. Nerdy nerd. <laughs> you know what's weird is with this code is how weird he'd look at us if we try to describe binary code to him. What is this? Oh, it's just ones and zeros. Why? They're in special places. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most simple. <laughs> the most simplistic way to describe binary code. <laughs> there are special places. <laughs> What's all these ones and zeros? <laughs> well, we did a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was hump day. We had to get through the day somehow. <laughs> you ever seen the Matrix? You know how like those things come down? Yeah, there you go. That's windows. <laughs> What's with these ones and zeros? It's Adobe. <laughs> Java. This is JavaScript. What are you going to do? Don't Stop reading it. We need to upgrade. <laughs> we need new ones and zeroses. <laughs> new ones and zeroses. Someone's screaming at us going, that's not how it works. That's not how any of this works, you big stupid... We don't know anything about binary code. Well, I tell you, sir. Shit, that was funny. Sir, you know what? <laughs> sir or ma'am listening right now. Oh, fuck it. You know what? Fucking one one zero one 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 zero 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 one one one. And right now he's like, you're speaking gibberish. Ooh. I'm like, oh, you're going to go for that? <laughs> zero, 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 I am. <laughs> you can't let him do that shit, are you? You, you don't even know about my one one. <laughs> What is all this? It's binary oh. code. But what is it? Oh, we took some ones and zeros and we like, you know, with it. And then and now, now. Just give it a tap. Yeah. Just tap your tap. Now you have Mortal Kombat. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> now, if you take this one, make it a zero and make that zero and just keep it a zero. And then there's that one there. You have sub zero. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it all back, Billy. It, it, it's all zeros. Nice. It's all zeros. Sub zeros. <laughs> That's what I was going for. It looks like you got onto yeah. it late. Looks <laughs> like you're late to the party on that one. <laughs> Hi, Erica. We're or a joke. I'm just pointing it out. Hey, Erica. We're a joke. How are you? Yeah, I get it. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> oh, God. One, one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Zero fucking zero. Wait, could you imagine somebody, like, back in the 1400s, you're like, what is this? Like, that's ones and zeros. Well, I know that, but how do you crack the code? Oh, no, I'm just looking at it. I cracked it. How? 
Oh, because look at the fucking. It came down on the screen and it was green. Look at the one. <laughs> look at the ones and zeros. <laughs> what are you stupid? And I was in a phone booth talking on a phone. And I was like, whoa. And then I disappeared. And then there's this chicken latex. <laughs> What's for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my stomach hurts so bad. All right, guys. Motherfuckers out here studying stars and shit. I'm trying to get them ones and zeros on. <laughs> well, those are some of the puzzling mysteries of the world for you guys to ponder. I know this was a little different, but sometimes you have to get away from the murder and gore for a minute and just delve into the weird. Change it up. We hope you liked it. And thanks for listening, and if you like the episode, you know where to find us. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Martinis and the Macabre, and we also have a fan page on Facebook called Friends Who Like Martinis and the Macabre. You can also follow us on Twitter at Martini underscore Macabre, and feel free to post whatever you like, from funny to morbid, and please share. That's the easiest and totally free way to help us out, just by spreading the word. If you want to go a step further, then please get on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you can leave a rating or a review, and we hope it will be a positive one. And don't forget... But if if, it's not, it all ends up being ones and zeros (laughs) the the whole time. (laughs) If you send us a snapshot of your review, even if it says (laughs) 01001110... I kind of want a review to be like 00001112... Not two, but two zeros... I will. I will take. I want a binary review. I want a binary. I will take a shit out of my dick. I will lose my fucking mind if I see a binary review. But start in English. Here's what I fucking think. That would be great. Somebody do that, please. Make it all caps, and then end it was an exclamation point, or the binary code for an exclamation point. I don't know. That would be great. That would make my fucking year. That's something that would be framed. We had a binary review. It would be framed and put up in our house <laughs> next to our children you that we made. Be our BFF forever. We'll get such a kick out of it, but the review's like, your show is shit. You guys are awful. But we were like, look at the ones and zeros. He did it. He took the time. Oh my god, you gotta stop. I'm dying. I will print it and shadow box that bitch. <laughs> Put it next to our family portrait. This review talk about how we should die. <laughs> Put it next to our family portrait. Oh, whoo. Okay, I gotta get in troll here. Oh. Just so, flex, flex those ones and zeros. You got yeah. it. Just do it. Don't forget, if you send us a snapshot of your binary review... Or any other review. God, I'm really crossing my fingers on this one. We will send you a sticker. And people code. Not binary code. It'll be people code. Through the USPS. It'll be human code. And if you've already left a review but haven't sent us a pic, update that shit with binary. And you can still send us a pic and get the sticker, even if the review is old. And if you want to go balls to the wall and financially support the show, you can make a one-time donation in the amount of your choosing via our PayPal link at the bottom of the homepage. She said one, one time, one. <laughs> On our website, martinisandthemacabre.com. Or you can set up a pledge for monthly donations through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash martinisandthemacabre. 
And even a $1 pledge gets you access to our patron-only audio each month and a shout-out on the show. Which and tomorrow is... Yes, we're going to be recording a special Patreon episode. It'll be fun. For you, yeah. not me. Different for for our Patreon, but hopefully it'll be good. Fingers oh, crossed. Oh, God, it's going to be rough. <laughs> not going to be good for you and Noah. Well, more you than Noah. I think he can handle it. I don't know if you can. I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> we'll see. But even a $1 pledge gives you access to our patron-only audio each month and a shout-out on the show. And for just a few dollars more, you can get some exclusive goodies. Every dollar is hugely appreciated. Thank you to all of our past patrons, and especially to our current patrons, Kirsten, our baller, yo. Thank you, love. Mwah! Bender, Bonnie, Bridget, Caroline, Chelsea, Christina, Cooper, Corina, Corey, Donald, Dylan, Belfast Grace, Harlene, Hunter, Jennifer, Kate, Christy, Kristen, Lady Danger, Marie Maxime, Molly, Monica, Sue, Vanessa, and Veronica. You awesome snuggle bunnies have our undying love. And if anybody hasn't heard yet, um, Hunter, our patron mm-hmm. uh, for murder and such, mm-hmm. Haley. Mm-hmm. has decided to leave the show. Has she? Yes. Um, she is, uh, from what I understand, she is deciding to pursue um, first responder, um, like like um, um, ambulance uh, first care, uh, like okay. immediate care. I haven't listened to, to any other stuff or seen them on, so, on social so, media recently. So, so, so far, Hunter is flying stag. And, okay. Um, and that's great. That's fine. And we love Haley, and we're gonna. You can do a Hunter, gonna, and you can do a Haley. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are awesome. And we support Haley in every endeavor that she wants to do. Uh, I'm not gonna put all of her business out there. All you gotta do, actually, is just follow Murder and Such on Facebook, and yeah, catch up to what happened. Um, I will say they are. I think I said it before. They, they they are from Dayton, Ohio, and recently there was a huge tragedy there, which is what led Haley to make the decision she made. Which is which is great. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's that's great. Good good on her. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we support her and we support Hunter. Absolutely. In everything they do, and they're always in our thoughts. Yes, you guys are always in our hearts. You're in our thoughts. You are our podcast buddies. So. Okay, Hunter. Hunter. One one zero one. <laughs> Zero zero zero, one 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 one. Okay, okay, he got it. <laughs> yeah, he totally got that. <laughs> That's all the love coming your way. Hunter and Haley, they're cool as shit. <laughs> all right, guys. So yeah, of course Haley and Hunter have our undying love, as well as all you other wonderful patrons. For any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, shoot us an email at martinisandmacab at gmail.com. Or you can use the contact page on the website. Also, on the website, you can find a bio about us, a complete episode catalog that you can binge, and all the music created by Minimus Noah that we use at the end of each episode. And keep listening because there will be a new one at the end of this episode. That about wraps it up. Once again, thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, Snuggle Bunnies. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. 0110001110. I love you even if you don't donate.
Give me your hurt, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> what you, a proposal, huh? You looked into my eyes when you said that shit. <laughs> you looked into my soul. I want your herp. 